when you are. Yeah. Well, I'm already started recording, Kev. I, I've, cool. I've fucked us both. Uh, welcome to welcome to Off the Post, bantering the blue shirts, where I've already just uh, exposed my co-host and uh, made him look like a fool, even though he is not a fool. Kevin Power. Kevin, what's your Twitter? At KPower90. See, I should have done that on the flagship show, but it's been a long day. Uh, I had a, I had a, what would I have? Uh, a double quarter pounder from McDonald's. Oh, wow. I avoid so, McDonald's. Wouldn't that be a half pounder? Yeah, wouldn't you call it a half pounder? That's what I thought. But after I eat any McDonald's burger, I always feel like there's just chemicals in my mouth. I think it's just from the onions and whatever. I can't remember the last time I had McDonald's. Yeah, see, that's the sort of life I wish I lived, but I don't. <laughs> and in my head, I'm like, I want to know if there is a tier system for how bad an onion can get before it is no longer fed to pigs and then is allowed to be fed to humans. And I'm like, I'm pretty sure these onions are the ones that are right on the fucking cusp. Just barely acceptable for human consumption. Anyway, with that, welcome to Bantering the Blue Shirts Off the Post and... Kevin, you've listened to the show before, so this is this is first time, long time for you, technically. Yes, it is. Um, we're going to start with a patron question from Gabriel Vargas, who wants to know, do you think the organization has already given up on Lee Anderson and decided his ceiling is a fourth-line center? I want to say no. I want. But does your body say yes? I think that... I don't think they believe he's a fourth line center i think that at most he's a very good 3c and they are sticking with that um for whatever reason they don't want to put him into a position where he has to provide offense yeah um you know he looks really good on the pk with zibanejad um and i think that he can be a very good 3C, but they're not even giving him that opportunity. I don't want to say that they've given up on him, but I can't explain what they're doing with him. You know what? I think that what you just said is the best answer I can provide. I don't think they've given up, but I don't, I can't really explain what's happening there. Because <laughs> yeah. he's just not getting ice time, he's not getting any opportunities outside of the PK. For a team that really needs someone to establish themselves as the two C that isn't Ryan Strom, and I, like I said on the flagship, I like to give David Quinn the benefit of the doubt, but it's um, and what can what what can you say other than the evidence is uh, is beginning to be convincing to to no longer make that the case. It's early though, yes. um, and I think it doesn't help that. The team has looked as you know as bad as it has with the last four games with a losing streak, but I th- I would be shocked if this organization has given up on Leah Sanderson. I don't think that's the case. I think they want him to be a two C. I, I will think say that, that the current coach is a guy who is very very hesitant to put first and second year players in a position of responsibility. As a last word, I will say that they that. They haven't put Anderson in a position to let them down. If that makes sense. That that does make sense, and that would scan for optics, right? Like he's put in a position where if he's not scoring goals, no one's going to be calling for his head. 
Yeah. Let's see. Um, Jim Dangles wants to know, why is Lindy still here? Also, can someone show Booch how to properly selly? <laughs> why is Lin- Lindy Ruff still here? Because he went to a Stanley Cup final 20 years ago, lost that, and lost that Stanley Cup final, while, be- while having the best goaltender to ever play the game in his net almost every night. Um, I, you think Hashik's first all-time? Oh, without a doubt. Yeah, he's mine too. That's an art. That's a d- debate for another day, though. Uh, when it comes to, to Lindy Ruff, there are no good answers that the organization can provide. Um, he, he's made the team actively worse, and they need to move on from him before Keandre Miller and Nils uh, Lundqvist come over. Uh, probably next season. Um, I I don't I don't understand Lindy Ruff. I don't I don't know what what he's trying to do, and I'm very tired of his face. Well, that just seems hurtful, Kevin. I thought you were a better person than that. Um, why is Lindy Ruff still here? I would I would imagine it's because uh, he's endeared himself to the front office. Yeah. Uh, as much as I think people would like to think that uh, JD and Jeff Gordon are different from uh, Glenn Sather and. The Elaine Vigneault era. I think that hockey is very much an old boys club, especially for coaching staffs and front office positions. And when you have a guy like Lindy Ruff, who I think part of being around for a long time is, I think new ideas are considered dangerous in sports, especially in hockey. And I think that there's a familiarity aspect that helps a guy like him stick around. Um, I don't uh, like. Look I can't say all, with all the GMs who keep uh, failing upwards. Yeah, 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 you fail up the ladder and really, you know, like if you burn out in one market, like one need only look at the Flyers giving Yeah, look at Elaine Vigneault landing yeah. with Philadelphia. Um, teams are very hesitant to you, you know, the Flyers brought in Vigneault after trying a college coach and you know, they tried something different and they said, "You know what? That didn't taste right. Let's go back to what every other team is doing. Let's just go back to you know, recycling the same ideas with a different package and I think that not only applies to head coaches but also to assistants Um, our next question Kev is Andrew Metric is the system the Rangers are playing way different than other teams has there been any sightings of Zubov in New York Uh, I can't speak for Zubov sightings Uh, my agents haven't reported in they're probably asleep um, as for the system, the Rangers, I'm. I wish I were a better, uh, like, tactical play uh, person. I want to read uh, 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 Stimson's new book, uh, Tape the Space. But I don't think the Rangers are. I think the Rangers are trying to play a system. I think that Hartford actually plays the way that. Uh, That's my favorite sentence of the like hour and a half we've been podcasting. I think the Rangers are trying to play a system. Yes, I, that's kind of how it feels, right? It's yeah, like, they're trying to do something out there. There's fuck, fuck if I know what it is, but they're trying. But like, I think that Hartford is playing the range the way the Rangers want to play. They're they're a faster, up tempo team. It's just that the Rangers don't have the personnel in, in the depth to play that style. At least on offense, on defense, they're 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 not doing anything. They're they're floundering out there. 
the Flounders. Yeah, the you can tell the Rangers want to be an aggressive forechecking team. They want to be a team that has speed. You know, they want to play the game. What the hell is... I know David Quinn had some buzzword thing like fast, relentless, yada, yada. And the thing is, frankly, the lineup that was chosen out of training camp, especially post-Nemestikov trade, and the decision to not have Philip Hedl with a big club is just not a fast, relentless team. It's a team that has Michael Haley, and it has Brendan Smith, a natural defenseman, playing fourth-line wing, and it has Brendan Lemieux often playing on the third line. And, you know, you have a team that really just is... You know, I've, I've struggled thus far to, to differentiate what's different about this team other than last... Like, from where it was last season, other than, wow, Artemi Panarin is so fun to watch. And Mika Zibanejad is, like, slowly clawing his way up into the top 15 centers in the league, which is so fun. But... There's not a lot of silver linings other than that, Kev. <laughs> there really aren't. I mean, it's, it's, it's been just, tough sledding. Yeah, it's... I don't know. I, I don't know what, what the Rangers are trying to do. I remember uh, last season, Quint Quinn was so obsessed with creating triangles in the offensive zone and just screaming it at, at the players. I, 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 don't, I wish I had, I had a better answer for, for you, but I, I don't think the Rangers do. Yeah, it's something I'll have to watch more. I'll have to reflect more. Like, normally, I'm one of those people when I watch, I don't think about systems inherently because I didn't play hockey beyond, like, the early years of high school for me. And I, I study systems a lot, but I don't... I often ask that question for teams that aren't the Rangers, ironically enough, um, which I, I don't know what the hell that means. But I might have some sort of blinders on uh, when it comes to the Rangers. But I do know, you know there was a transition in terms of the defensive scheme and there was a lot of talk about that last season. Uh, like, I just think we've seen uh, things look so scattered, Andrew, because, frankly, you they know, when you look at the, the D pairs and, you know, what the hell the lineup is, it's, it is a little scattered. Um, oh, Kevin, there's a question from a guy named Kevin. How oh. surprised are you by Adam Fox's strong, albeit pointless, no goals and no assist start? You can't answer your own question, Kevin, so I guess I'll, I'll, I'll take this. Uh, I'm not surprised he looks good. I'm actually more... Su- I'd be... I'm more surprised he hasn't picked up, like, a secondary assist or two by now. Just given how... You know... Uh, to be honest, what matters more is the fact that he is playing as well as he has been playing. Like you pointed out on the flagship that he's actually leading the team in just, you know, unadjusted Corsi. You know, and that is a very fun stat. It, you know, you would hope he would be if based on the minutes he's playing and the role he's playing, but it's still amazing to see it happen, especially because this is the sort of guy the Rangers hope they traded for. A guy who can really, you know, make those passes and and make those plays. And really, I think the last couple of games... I know, Kev, is it crazy for me to say, like, I would say it's been Truba Fox in terms of the D that have been the most good at the hockey stuff oh without a doubt i mean i I, like i would say truba fox and then i i'm not even sure who i would put three i i would say it's been truba fox a wide gap and then probably d'angelo hayek and yes brady chase had a rough go yeah i don't think d'angelo has had that good of a start to be honest um no he hasn't i think missing training camp hurt him Oh, um, definitely, yeah, and I think that he, I, I think he's playing above above his head, 
or in a roll above his head a bit. Yeah, he's getting a taste of what Neil Pionk went through last season with Mark Stahl stapled to his hip. And Mark Stahl, everyone considers him to be like a reliable defensive defenseman. The problem with, with Stahl is that he isn't quick enough to recover when his partner pinches or if his partner jumps on a play and something is missed and then things will snowball immediately. And what we're learning from that pair of Stahl and D'Angelo is just like, it just, it seems eerily familiar, Kev. <laughs> you know, like D'Angelo really is a better yeah. player, a much better player than Pionk in terms of his ability to carry the puck out of the zone and really generate offense outside of the power play. But it's, uh, it's super familiar to the situation we saw last year, which is this, you know, on paper, old school mentality. We got a young puck moving D and we got an old war horse who can play, you know, and be reliable. Uh, yeah, that's not what we've seen. I think that there's also a lot of concern about Brady Shea because he, I don't know if he's trying to do too much or if he's trying to do not enough. I, it's also hard, hard to judge because we, again, the, the systems and the coaching is just all a mess. It is a mess. Uh, question from Panarin2020. Hey, Joe and Mike. Uh, I'm sure he means Kevin. Uh, when will the lunacy end with the lines in? When do we get to see the lineup we all want? His lineup we all want to see is Panarin, Zib, Kako, Kreider, Heedle, Booch. Gotta tell you, I like it a lot so far. Mm-hmm. Kravstov, Anderson, Fast, Lemieux, Howden, Smith. Will we ever see that lineup, Kevin? Or will we be dead? <laughs> Uh, I think we'll see that the, the that top six by November first. I'd be very surprised if Heedle isn't on the ro- on the main roster past Halloween. As for Krasov, Anderson, Fast, um, I would say Krasov Krasov will be here by Christmas. Um, as for Anderson, Fast. Ugh. I'm not sure because I don't think Ryan Strom's going away anytime soon. I yeah, that's that, the problem with this lineup is there's no Ryan Strom in it, right? And yeah, and there's still a Smith on the fourth line, which is again a very big. Problem. I don't actually have tremendous issue with Smith on the fourth line. It's I just think it's it's weird. Yeah, well that's the <laughs> that's the very good way. Like, uh, give me Smith on the fourth line. Every day over Michael Haley. Oh, I mean, um, yeah, that's, that's. I would even say give me Smith on the fourth line over Greg McKegg, but just because, frankly, I like the idea of having that seventh D. Like if Quinn insists on the, you're a bad boy, you have to sit for fifteen minutes. Yeah, um, and having another D helps a little bit, but we've seen him use kind of Smith sparingly on defense, if at all. And then we have, I don't know. I mean, I would also, to be honest, I would flip Howden with with Nieves there, because I, I'd say yeah, there Howden. was some talk about why not Howden in the AHL, um, which I have to say I was on board with, just because like yeah, you know, he scored in the preseason, which I think helped his cause. But I, I'm very confused about Brett Howden. I'm. I don't think you're alone, buddy. I think a lot of people are confused about Brett Howden. All right. Um, now that we're both depressed. Uh, tweet one. Hey, guys. I've been a David Quinn defender and a big fan of him, but 
certain things this season have got me to really question him a lot. Honestly, if A.V. did just one of these things he's done this season, all of us would be ready to bash on him. I like his honesty. So, hmm. I'm not sure if there's a, a, a question there, but I, I get what he's saying. Yeah. If do you, if this was A.V. doing these things, I think, yeah, you're right. We'd all, uh, I think you'd see that, that reaction from Rangers Twitter. Um, you know, on banter, I'm sure you'd see it. Yeah. I appreciate David Quinn's honesty. I think he's shown me, like, I, I feel like each time I cite this example, it loses some of its impact. But I really liked what he was able to do with Buchnevich last season. Then I will again, say that saying that after he, he moved uh, Butch to the fourth line. Yeah, and that's why <laughs> that's why I think like it hasn't aged well because <laughs> it's Butch was recently demoted. Um, so I will say that. Oh boy. <laughs> one thing to, to keep in mind is that the the situations with Av and Quinn are not linear remember av came in as a guy to, for, to 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 win a cup essentially right yeah uh it was a very different mindset it was a very different mindset it was a very very different team back then when av came in and you know when when av fell off a cliff and he just kept kept on diving through those, that's where, where, where the issues came up, and it felt like a desperate man trying to rely on the old standbys to, to get him out of it. With Quinn, it's much more concerning because he's starting from the bottom and trying to go up, and you just kind of want to want to yell, "Dig up, stupid! Dig up, not down!" It's. I feel that. Yeah. yeah. It's. I think that's a very important point you raised, though. That like, it's it, we should hesitate to compare them. I think there is a learning curve for Quinn, and like, I think the big question we're all asking ourselves is: Is he trying to win hockey games, or is he trying to develop players? And I think the answer to that is: Well, he's trying to serve both of those masters. What the question is? is, like, you can do it, but the real problem, frankly, is like, you can't get those uh, like priorities muddled and i feel like that's what's been happening yeah is he's so focused on trying to send a message to players and make that part of this winning like you know obviously you need to develop players you don't want to lose every game so you can't just play nothing but kids but i would say generally speaking i think most people would say the consensus is why are we seeing the kids not play as much yeah, if this I, is a developmental year, why don't we see the kids play? And that's the, the crux of a lot of this criticism of Quinn. Mm-hmm. And I think that you you touch on that. You know, he can't you, you can't serve two masters, right? You can't try to win while also try while also focus on developing. Because then then you're gonna end up, you know with what we have right now. I think Quinn is also trying to establish his Reputation in the NHL because, as we've seen, a reputation can carry you very, very far in this league. That is true. Uh, our next question will be a fun one for us, Kev, from yes. Josh Garrick, sixteen. Since Kevin is on, compare each Rangers defenseman to a U.S. Navy ship, past or present, Kevin. 
Okay, so for those we'll who don't trade know, off. Yeah. You want to trade yeah. off? What do you want to do? Uh, you you go ahead, but you go first. I have a bit of a longer answer. Yeah, I'm sure you do. Uh, <laughs> then I'll just start with the. I saw this while I was on a walk today, and I said, "All right, well, let's do go with comedy." Uh, I'm gonna say, and I'm hoping you'll appreciate the reference that Mark Stahl is the USS Monitor. Um, yes. Uh, from the Civil War, which was the first uh, iron... Pl- what would you say, Kev? Like, the first iron-plated ship? What the hell the, did you call it? The monitor was an ironclad. It was... The, That's it! Ironclad! Yeah. That's the the phrase I needed, yeah. It was a small, poorly built uh, river monitor, uh, basically designed to go up and down the rivers and uh, patrol them. Um, it... It does fit Mark Stahl because it's a old clunker. That and it has charm to it. It ha- it has some. T- oh, it ch- charm is definitely a word you, you can use to it, describe it. Yeah, charm. <laughs> there are only two of them built, one for each side, and uh, there there's there is a reason why only two two of them were built. Is it because they're really good at defense? Sure. Let's go with that. <laughs> Did, it was that they had it. Was it they had like a, a, multiple skirmishes, right? And yeah, so the, the unions, mon- yeah, the union was the monitor, and the monitor won. What was the Confederacy? Oh, um, uh, I forget. Look, 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 looking this up right now. Yeah, Even that was a history. The, the Virginia, the uh, CSS Virginia. There you go. Anyway, that was like what you know. Now we have. Battleships made out of metal, but before that, someone's like, "Yeah, let's just nail on some metal onto these wooden boats," and that's kind of how that started. Basically, yeah. And it was, you know, it was like, "Oh, in principle," and then when it happened, it's like, "They're so heavy and slow." (laughs) (laughs) And and, and it took like so long for 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 the cannons to actually punch through through the metal that that more guys died from like you know from it basically boiling inside this giant iron tub. Yeah, it's just a toaster oven, essentially. On the yeah. Order. yeah. <laughs> anyway, right. Kev, uh, because of your expertise in the fields, yes. uh, Adam Fox. What's Adam Fox? Adam Fox. Uh, so these are all going to be uh, World War II carriers, uh, oh, aircraft enough. carriers. Adam Fox is uh, the Essex. Uh, in World War II, the, the Essex class was a brand new type of aircraft carrier. It was known as the Fast Attack ba- uh, Carrier. Which I think suits Fox's skills very well. Um, it was great for for both. O- it was good, good on both offense and defense. It had a lot of the past to I- influence its design, um, and it's the longest serving class of carriers in the uh, the country's history. So it had a lot of potential when it came out. Exactly. Yes. See what I did there. Yeah. Um, all right. So. I'm guessing that means that Brendan Smith is a tugboat. No. Uh. <laughs> no. Well, I could. Uh, uh, Smith and Stahl are the Lexington and Saratoga. They were the two old. They are the two. They, they were the two oldest uh, uh, aircraft carriers during the war. Uh, they were big. They were unwieldy. Uh, so they're great. Uh, Saratoga. What is actually dirty. more? The word more, you're looking for is dirty. Yeah. Sure. Uh, Stahl is much more Saratoga because she spends mo- uh, most of the war. Why are, get, why get, are get, all getting... boats ladies? What's that about? Uh, so, 
because uh, the crew of a ship are mostly is it sexism, Kevin? Teenagers. Uh, the the ship protects them. It clothes them. It feeds them. It acts as their mother would away from home. So so they treat they they treat their ship with the same respect they do their mother. And that's why they 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 uh, refer to their ships as she. Well, I don't know about you, but my mother does not have a poop deck, Kevin. <laughs> Neither do any ships nowadays. Well, why do you have to ruin all my maritime jokes, for God's sakes? Um, all right, so what's uh, what's Truba? Truba. Submarine? No, no, Truba is pr- probably an Iowa-class battleship. Big, fast, has a hell of a shot. Uh, costs a lot. Uh, to to to, sure. to acquire, uh, but he's there on the on the back end to just bomb away and uh, uh, bombard uh, the enemy defenses. See, I know Josh specifically said U.S. Navy ships, but I I want you to give me a foreign ship for Libor Hayek. Foreign ship for Libor the, Hayek. I would imagine the Czech. Does the Czech Republic have a navy? No. Nah, not quite. Uh, ooh, that's a good one. Uh, I'd say probably the, the, the only foreign ship of a navy I can name is the U-boat, <laughs> 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 and that's just really inappropriate to assign to sweet little Libor Hayek. Um, I mean, tugboat. Sure. Everyone, everyone's gonna have a tugboat. Uh, yeah, he'll, he'll... Yeah, why would... Che- I'm, I'm an idiot. Why would Czech Republic have a navy? It's landlocked. Yeah, it's they got rivers. Exi- well, yeah, they, they probably do have a river defense force. See, that's what I would be fascinated to know, is the percentage of countries that are landlocked that still have a navy. Uh... I mean, I could look... Does Kazakhstan have a navy? Uh, not... Probably not. It has the Caspian Sea. Maybe they have a navy just for the Caspian Sea. They could. These are the uh, things I want to know. Um, who else are we missing? Uh, Brady Shea. Ooh. Mm, Shea? Oh, that's hard. Shea, you, you, you need a ship that's that's got good speed, but it doesn't really la- it do, do, doesn't really pack a punch offensively. Had its issues uh, protecting the, the 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 battle line. Uh, it's probably like a a, a, a cru- uh, late 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 stage cruiser. Not the greatest ship. Uh, you'd expect more from it because of how it's designed, but probably you know a bad commander or whatever. Not the best bat a uh, a cruiser with not the best battle record. Hmm. I'm trying to look up and to bring it into to, uh, I'm tired a... of your your sea bullshit. I want to bring this to <laughs> the air because to me, Brady Shea might become what is it? Howard Hughes's giant plane, the sea Bruce Goose. Yeah, because the amount of money that was invested in him, and I mean, technically, it, it technically flew, Kev. I know it did, but it didn't minutes. go very far. I'll say Brady Shea Spruce Goose. Yes. Uh, that's not a bad... That's It's a seaplane, too, so it's yeah. practically in the Navy. 
right? Which is a Navy's got planes. I've seen them at it. They yes, got that, that they have an entire entire naval air wing. There's actually uh, uh, I probably can't. No, never mind. Was there any other D? Did we miss someone? D'Angelo. Yeah, what's D'Angelo? D'Angelo is a uh, definitely like a uh, uh, tugboat. He's bossy. <laughs> He's pushing people around. <laughs> no, D'Angelo is uh, probably like a battle cruiser, a big ship. Well, not big ship, but it's packed full of guns. Can't really do do much else. Uh, so it's got it's got some good offense. Um, not the smartest thing in the fleet. Well. Uh, Maybe you, get itself into too, too much trouble in ver various ways. There you go. I think my uh, what I'm learning today is my knowledge of battleships is more or less limited to the board game of Battleship. Because <laughs> <laughs> well, in my head I'm like, so a destroyer? That's the <laughs> that's the middle size one, right? The small size. Yeah, little baby one. All I know is the last time I played uh, Battleship was in a brewery, and I used the what is supposedly the metagame strategy of you literally put all your ships in one row, um, uh, and I defeated my girlfriend who, upon seeing my strategy, said that this was a bunch of bullshit, and then we went home. So yeah, uh, all I know is that I am technically uh, one and zero in my naval victories. Uh, next question, Kev, from a man with the handle Surly Sailor to stay on brand. Clem Fandango says, if Hilo keeps it up, when do you think he gets the call? To Halloween. New York also, if he is recalled, which sea moves the wing? You already addressed this in the flagship. You think you can make it up by the end of the week, right? Yeah, I, I would be... So, I wouldn't say by the end of the week because uh, Hartford plays three games in three days ah, this weekend. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They're playing Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. Uh, so, I'm not sure what the Rangers' schedule looks like, but by Halloween, he should be up here. As for which sea moves to wing... Uh, I don't Why not Strom? That's the thing that always kills me. Is like Strom, the 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 center position requires you to ha you have more defensive responsibilities as as part of the nature of the role in the position. You are more responsible for things in more critical areas of the ice. Yeah. Ryan Strom has been proven time and again to not be good a good two way center, specifically with the the aspect of the game that is from the neutral zone back. Like he just. You know, when he's on the ice, the other team gets more chances. So you get more chances, you allow more goals. It's just, you know, it's very basic stuff, but that's why things like possession matter. That's why, you know, we mentioned things like Corsi and, you know, shot attempts. It's all tied to the basic logic of if you're attempting shots, that means you have the puck. It also means the other team doesn't have the puck. And generally speaking, things go squirrely when Ryan Strom's on the ice. He does ever like, for example, the, the backhand saucer pass he sent over to Capocacco for his first NHL goal was a thing of beauty. The problem is, yeah, there's not a lot of that for his deficiencies. And like in in my world, I would say Ryan Strom is best suited on this team as like a, a third line winger uh, to play. You know, with maybe I don't know these have Leas Anderson and and Strom and I don't know. So let's Makes me uh, sad, pl Kevin. let's uh, pl play this out. You got Zabanajad as the one C, Heedle as the two C. I would I would hope this pushes a uh, Anderson up to the three C. Um, and then, jeez, I I would go back to just moving up. Uh, 
Nieves and swapping him out with Howden and bring Howden to the AHL and then maybe Strom on a wing because uh, I'm not seeing anything from Howden that, that tells me there's an there's an there's an NHL center in there. That's fair. Uh, let's hit the next one from yeah. David L. Singer. At what point do we declare Leas a bust? How is it possible that he hasn't been given a chance to succeed? Um, I think my answer to that is, you know, like, if you consider the fact that Leas Anderson is playing seven and a half minutes of five-on-five ice time, who he played with last season, the, the leash that was given to him versus the leash that was given to Brett Howden, the fact that he's, you know, he's only seeing like three times as much time ice time at even strength as he is on the penalty kill every night. I think that's why we can say it's too early to call this kid a bust. He hasn't. Yeah, I mean, it it all comes down to his role. I mean, you can look at. I think you can get very wrapped up in just saying, you know, like, oh look, you know, Leah Anderson's isn't scoring. He's he's in the lineup. He's not doesn't seem to be doing a lot, but. The role in which he's most featured is the penalty kill right now, like you were saying on the flagship, right? Like, what more? Do you, what what is this kid supposed to do other than try to kill penalties when he's getting this sort of ice time? Yeah, I mean, I, I don't, and I, you know, you can't answer the first question, like when can we call him a bust, without yeah. addressing the second one, because you know, in in, in order to be a bust. In my opinion, you had to be placed into a position to succeed. If you if you then fail at that position, then you can start throwing around that that label. Yeah, let's like let's say Nail Yakupov. Oh, like, bust. Yeah, 100%. he was a bust. He had he had that opportunity. He got moved around. Like he obviously didn't get opportunities to be, you know, first line guy again. But he played himself out of that. I think is is what you could say. Whereas yeah. You know, Leah Sanderson having zero points in six games this season is not a big deal. I mean... Um, it just, for the ice time he's getting, for the role he's playing, I'm not concerned. I mean, uh, I would say that, you know, if... You know, like, and, yeah, it just goes back to, you know, he he needs to be put into a, a position to, to succeed... Yeah. And then he has to fail in that position. Like, I honestly, I would say that Brett Howden is teetering towards that point and mm. is closer to that than a- Anderson is because Howden has been given more opportunities uh, to succeed. Sure, he scored last season, but we know how 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 shooting percentage works. It is 2019 after all. We know that there's more to to, to the game than that, and we saw that he couldn't handle it. And, you know, it's the same this year. He doesn't look like he can play up in the lineup. And I would say that he's closer to being a bust than Anderson is, if that makes sense. Yeah. This is, this is a fun question, Kev, from Matteo Blanc, which is, there's a great article on ESPN that had the stat nerds explain their worst and favorite stats. Yes. What is your favorite, what does it measure, and why do you like it? Oh, man. It's a um, fun one. Yes, it is. I, I wouldn't say, I'm not, I wish I, I, I had time to read up on more, on, on how quickly the stats are advancing, 
Um, I will say that I am beginning to look at, you know, expected goals for a lot more. I look at, you know, the the twins on e- Evolving Wild and their RAPM charts, their uh, their WAR and uh, and GAR stats. Uh, for me, I like something that I can pull up, I can read what it says, and not and understand it right away. Mm-hmm. So I may not be the most like I may not be as on, on, on the cutting edge with stats. But when you have someone like uh, Sean Tierney on uh, charting hockey, yeah, yeah, right. His charts every week, every morning are wonderful because they're, they're broken down into into those four quadrants: lucky, fun, bad, good. Um, and you know, okay, I read this. I know, I know what they're saying, and you know, it's clearly identified what's good, what's not, uh, and. When it comes to fancy stats, I like, I don't want to say simplicity, but accessibility is a big thing for me. The more accessible your your numbers are, the more easily I can, I can interpret it, the better it is. Yeah, my, it's funny, like, I was going to say I'm, I'm a big fan of expected goals for, um, and specifically things like expected goals for percentage. Um, I've, I'm a big just because I know that it's goalies or voodoo, I love digging into things like goals saved above average per 60. I love looking at the, you know, which goalies have the best uh, high danger save percentage, low danger save percentage. Like something that's always fascinating about Hank is his high danger save percentage is always sky high. You know, Does he face most of the time. Else? Yeah, and <laughs> that's a good point, Kev. You know, because like most of the time he gets beat by you know middle danger stuff. But the his what separates him more often than not is like you know he he makes saves that goalie shouldn't be able to make. But my real answer, I think, is is a super basic stat, um, which is skewed by all the statistics work I do in women's hockey, and which is phenomenal, that is, by the way. Oh, thank you. It's kind of you to say, which I think is just primary points specifically, um, because I worked a lot over the summer with, uh, you know, I built a new formula for game score for the NWHL and the data we have there. And it was able to improve upon an existing game score that was put together by Sean Ferris, uh, who does great work. He also writes over at uh, Stanley Cup of Chatter, which is the Bruins SB Nation site. And... You know, I was able to prove that, yeah, just like, you know, uh, the NHL uh, primary points are, you know, a greater predictor of success and they're more repeatable than just standard points. Um, And that's because, you know, if you're picking up primary assists, you're likely doing more to influence play and production than secondary assists. And because that's something I just deal with all the time, it's become something I'm like borderline obsessed with. Uh, Like I pay a lot of attention to players who seem to be dependent on secondary assists for their production, um, especially D, um, which, is, which is also fascinating because I like something I've been thinking about more and more um, is power play points and specifically who's getting secondary assists. I did an article for Sporting News where I looked at what the impact of Dustin Bufflin not being with Winnipeg is. And 
something that stood out to me was like he didn't score a lot of power play goals, but he had a shit ton of secondary assists in the power play. And one of the yeah. reasons for that was he was simply touching the puck so much. And when you subtract that and Jacob Truber from the Winnipeg Jets, you have a recipe for disaster. And add in and, Neil Pionk. And, and you add in Neil Pionk. Um, so I would say like that's probably my honest answer, but just so I sound a little more invested in stats, I'd say I, I would definitely think the goalie stats I'm also heavily invested in because I'm trying to bring those to women's hockey as well and, you know, trying to be proactive with evaluating goalies in a way where it's a more level playing field. Like, I hate I just hate things like goals against average. I yeah. I hate plus minus. I, I very much like five on five goal differential, but five on five goal differential without context is like most analytics without context. So I think that's why this question is hard for me because I don't ever just look at one stat because because it doesn't tell, tell tell the full story. Exactly. You need if it's like it's like what's your favorite part of your arm? You know. Well, I don't know the hand. Well, what good is the hand if you don't have the wrist and you know your exactly. forearm and yeah. your elbow and you know you need every stat needs context. And I think that's why I think something like plus minus drives me crazy because people are, you know, even I, I know I've heard Joe Micheletti a couple times this season mention plus minus. And it's one of those things where it's like, it's 2019, we're still talking about plus minus. But yeah, it's uh, those things are going to be slow to fit, like fade away because that is still a stat that is easy for people to understand. It's also kind of like the first advanced stat in some ways. It is, um, yeah. It's just super flawed. But with context, it's a little bit better. The thing is, we just have better tools. So, yeah, that's honestly, that was a great question. That's something I feel like we can do an entire show on. Oh, um, definitely. 100%. Yeah, it's, I, I agree. Like, I love the work that the, the twins are doing. Uh, it's evolving dash hockey on Twitter. They're evolving wild. Um, they're doing a lot of great work. I, I love like you like you pointed out I love their uh, RAPM I love like like I was kind of had to teach myself war and hockey over the summer and it's especially after all the uh, the great war debates which was fun but uh, yeah there's a, there is a lot to digest I would say again if I'm being honest it's primary points and goalie stats uh, let's see I think we only have time for one more buddy. Let's see what's on the bottom of the. Yeah, a lot of it is Leah Sanderson. Um, oh, you know what? This is fair. Uh, we'll we'll go to Eric Carlson, uh, which is pe- people screaming for Quinn to be fired need to chill the f out, right? Yeah. Yes. The short answer is yeah. Yeah, I think that there are legitimate concerns to have about Quinn and the the process going forward. However, it is also October 21st. Uh, there is still a there's still 76 games to play of the season. Um, however, I think I think I mentioned this on the flagship or earlier on off the post, but mm-hmm. you know, I think that if there aren't changes by or after the holidays, then the the rope does get tighter. Uh, and I think that should be that. That is when 
the rumblings can probably start. I wouldn't say, like, now, it's not important. It's not the most pressing thing uh, to, to fire, fire the coach and get a new coach in here because that can, you know, you fire one coach so early into the season, you bring in a whole new coach with a whole new philosophy, guys have to learn a whole new system, and it can set, set things back even further. Yeah, the thing that occurs to me is, I think like David Quinn would essentially be doing doing himself a favor by playing more kids because, you know, how will success be measured for David Quinn by wins and by the development of young players? And how do you right? judge so, development? I think we can judge development from the front office perspective by the eye test and like the bottom line is that I don't think there's been anything we've seen that would in terms of optics that have looked good for Fox, Hayek or Capo Caco, the three rookies on the team and so if we're talking about development we're focusing on those players because it's been kind of proven that you know D'Angelo and Lemieux although they are Young in context of some of the other guys on the team are not long-term pieces. Uh, Brett Howden, as you mentioned, is kind of like the uh, uh, the enigma in terms of you know it's hard to say what he is. But Quinn would kind of be best serving himself if he does play the kids because I don't think wins are going to come either way. No, but not. if he's playing the kids and giving them the chance to really develop, he's really serving his own best interest, right? It's he builds a better team for next year, which also is good for him. But also, frankly, he he makes it clear, like, look, this is what everyone wants. This is what you want me to do is develop this team. And, you know, the winning culture will come when this team can win. I know that is going to be a tough thing to sell to Rangers fans, but their Rangers fans are going to fill the garden no matter what. And, you know, the, the corporate seats are going to be bought no matter what, <laughs> I should say. Oh, yeah, you're right. Um, and that's... I don't know. It's just been a very interesting thing to see I th- I also the way think that- Quinn has chosen to attack this season, which is it feels like he's holding everyone accountable and he's not giving, or I should say he's holding some people accountable again, as was the pattern last year, but he's also just not not really giving the kids a chance to shine, which is unfortunate. I, to probably end on this, I will also say that it's only been six games, even though it feels like it's been a lot more than that. And I think that has also kind of forced people to marinate on their feelings towards the uh, coaching staff. That's fair. I don't know if you people heard my cat just walked in the room and meowed at me. So I think that's that's the that's, that's our cue to, yeah. to wrap up the show. Thank you for joining us, Kev. I hope you can hop on the show again soon. Oh, yes. When, when, whenever you uh, need me, Mike, I'm here for you. Well, maybe the next time we talk, the Rangers won't be on a uh, four-game losing streak. <laughs> oh, God, I hope so. And with that, uh, we bid you adieu. Have Good a night, lovely guys. week, folks. Thanks a lot.